0: Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we've got Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Hello, hello. And this week, we are discussing Gary Grigsby's and Keith Brewer's Steel Panthers series, Uh, It tied for the winner of our last monthly Patreon backer poll, and we gave it the nod because it's a game uh, that I think Troy and I both have very fond memories of and is perhaps a little more accessible uh, in this day and age than some of the other games that were on that throwback wargaming list, Uh, although I might argue that's a debatable proposition having spent some time with the series this month. Uh, So, so Troy, I I think we should start out by discussing what Steel Panthers is because even there, I start to hit a stumbling block. Um, for me, Steel Panthers was a classic World War II uh, turn-based war game. And maybe yeah. th- one of the last games of that mold that would break through and enjoy a wider reception among PC gamers at large. Like, I remember in middle school talking to other kids who had got that game on a lark and were really enjoying it. Like, it was one of the last times where, like, a war gamer's war game was being played by just about anyone who was into PC gaming at the time. Uh but that kind of leaves out most of the series' history, where it expanded its focus to cover uh, company and battalion-level combat all the way into the modern era. So let's let's talk about the Steel Panthers we remember, uh, and then let's talk about the Steel Panthers that we've been getting reacquainted with uh, th- this, this month.
1: Yeah, well, the Steel Panthers, I mean, we remember, I mean, it's part that we remember that this this is a Gary Grigsby game, as you said and Gary Grigsby's name has become kind of synonymous with these really giant, you know, I guess you would call them, they're the Avalon Hill bookcase games of computer games completely gigantic in scope and size and uh, Gary Grigsby's Pacific War, uh, the first one uh, came out only a few years before Steel Panthers uh, and Gary Gygax's War in Russia only came out a couple of years before Steel Panthers. So these, he has this, he had this reputation even back then, and in his early years before Steel Panthers, he was building up the reputation for making giant theater level games of you know mind numbing complexity and great detail and the sort of stuff that we've come to see a lot of in Pacific War and War in the West and War in the East. Um, 1995, you get Steel Panthers, which is, I mean, it's a top-down game, pretty, it looks li- like, I mean, it's an SSI game, and it looks like a lot of the SSI games would be there for a while. You would have, um, it doesn't look too different from what you would see in Age of Rifles, except it's tanks, where you move I, I think, the units. Are-
0: just, just to interject, I, I would say two things, though. Uh, in the context of 1995, and in the context of SSI games of that era, uh, Steel Panthers looked pretty damn good. It looked and sounded oh, pretty good, and yeah. I would also say, like, um, and I remember this sort of jumping out at me from Bill Trotter's review in PC Gamer uh, all those years ago, uh, it was also a Gary Grigsby game that was pretty simple and easy to figure out, uh, which, uh, you know, it was it was kind of like... Maybe you'd argue was a little like Panzer General influenced. Uh, maybe like it was just it, it it played really nicely for a war game, and particularly for for a Grigsby and war game. Although, yeah, having encountered it again this month, um, that may that that context has been lost a little bit, and it sure feels like a Grigsby game these days.
1: Well, that's kind of where it was going. It's still, Panthers does stand out in his uh, gamography as something that is. Uh, it, especially for the mid-90s, was you know, visually kind of appealing. and you could actually see the tanks. They weren't NATO counters. You would be moving your guys around into houses. You would be directing the artillery. It would be the battle coming to life on your screen in a top-down view in a way you wouldn't see in his theater-level games, which he ended up going back to. Um, so Steel Panthers, that's kind of, I guess, well, I guess it does stand out. It does come in, in, the, in the panzer uh, general... Type feel to it That you are moving The units around It is turn based Um It has And Panzer Generals The same year Right
0: I think it might have been 94 But it's They're, they're it's pretty the much Contemporaneous era. Yeah right.
1: So it's contemporaneous We have <coughs> Other companies Uh working on this, and Panzer General is another SSI game, and they're publishing Panzer General, and then they publish uh, Steel Panthers, so you have these two types of different games. But I think Steel Panthers was a better game uh, than Panzer General. It was, you know, it's certainly more open. It's, uh, came with, it comes with quite a came with a lot of scenarios, was less prone to the, uh, Puzzle solving situation we get in Panzer General, which is an issue that we still, you and I still have, I think, with the successors to Panzer General, especially the Panzer Corps. Uh, still, Panthers felt like you were directing a battle. And it, that we ended up getting so many more of them. We ended up getting, uh, you know, World at War, and we got uh, a modern era one, and there was Brigade Command, uh, which was in there this was a model that proved to be very successful for Grigsby and his successor designers and Steel Panthers. And it's a game that, you know, I've been trying to play for the last uh, two or three weeks, and it has not aged well for technical reasons, Uh, not for any design reasons. I understand why it would have been appealing then, but I can't for the life of me think why I would play it now. Though it does have quite a few things that I hope we can talk about that I think I would love to see Picked up again uh, by modern era wargaming.
0: Yeah, and um, <laughs> so I just want to jump in here with a uh, yeah. with with an anecdote about <laughs> a, a mishap that ha- happened with uh, Steel Panthers. I may have, I may have referred to this a couple times on the show before. The um, Steel Panthers, for whatever reason, uh, was a game that captured my imagination when I was reading reviews of it. Uh, like. Uh, Bill Trotter's review in PC Gamer was one of the most effusive uh, reviews he ever wrote. And it was one of his most, uh, like, evocative. Because uh, that was that was one of... Like, Bill Trotter was for years and years the, uh, the desktop general at, at PC Gamer. Great columnist, great wargaming critic, uh, and actually not a bad historian if you read his uh, book on the Russo, Finnish War. But one of the things that he was really good at was, you know, within the confines of a review... Um, giving a you-are-there sense that you were, like, playing it over his shoulder almost and, and getting high on the same stuff he was. So he writes this great review. And I think it that review comes out in like, a December issue, but, uh you know, I, I couldn't, like, my parents couldn't afford the game until months, months later. But it was, like, a game that I've been looking forward to for ages. And so finally, I think I'd saved up allowance money to go buy this game, but I realized the night before... Uh, We don't have, like, hardly any hard drive space left on uh, the... uh, At the time, what seemed like a colossal, uh, like, 200 megabyte hard drive. Uh, Somehow we filled it, uh, which just didn't seem feasible, but there we were. So I start cleaning the hard drive up to make room for it the night before. You know, because I don't have the game yet, but, like, I'm already sort of, like, trying to live (laughs) in that reality where I do have the game. Um, And around this time... I had recently been taught uh, taught the delete tree command in DOS. I I don't even remember this. So, like, you didn't have uninstallers back then. And I think with DOS, at least the version I was using, I want to say, like, if you deleted the top-level directory, it didn't blow away the subdirectories. So you basically just have those files go underground somewhere. Like, there there was some reason, like, you needed to, um, like, deleting things was a pain in the ass, but there was the delete tree command, which deleted everything that fell underneath a directory. Easy tool, simple. I'd used it before a bunch of times. It's late at night. I'm getting really excited for this game. So I'm just like cleaning up the hard drive. And I use the delete tree command. And I don't specify a directory. But I don't realize I did this. So I type c colon slash delete tree. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Yup. And now the oh, weird yeah. thing is, it's like, it, it immediately would be like, okay, like, we'll go directory by directory, which do you want to delete? The first three or four items were actually the thing, like, I think it was going, like, uh, maybe alphabetically or something. But whatever reason, the first things I wanted to delete uh, were, in fact, the first options it came up with. But after hitting, like, Y, like, 12 times on things I wanted to get off the hard drive, I just start going into speed mode, right? I'm like, oh, man, how many, how many directories does this fucking game have? Not realizing I was in the root directory of the entire goddamn system, so I, I keep tapping why 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 and things are scrolling past, and then like in a blur I see um, Windows go by, and I see DOS go by, and I was like, "Wait, what? Hold on!" <laughs> and I hit no, and I, I delete everything. I stop. T- I, I stop everything, and I look, and it appears I have deleted DOS and Windows. Oh dear. So being all of like eleven years old or something like that, I panic and do what has always worked for me in the past. When confronted with a PC problem, I switch the machine off immediately. <laughs> I'm like, "What? No, that didn't happen. Didn't happen." I turn it back on, and naturally, the first thing that happens is the PC's like, uh, "No disk found." Like, there's no, there's no OS. There's no disk on the system. Start again. Still the same problem. Then I go to bed. And the next morning, I try to pass off to my parents that, oh, weird, something just happened with the computer. But, like, really quickly, like, I'm trying to, like, sort of subtly, like, nudge my parents toward the right conclusion about what actually happened without copying to it. Like, oh, it's so weird. Uh, it's working last night. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, I was deleting some stuff off the hard drive. Um, you don't think, because I'm 12 and I'm an idiot, so I think this is subtle, but it's not. I'm like, you don't think somehow DOS may have been deleted from this, do you? Maybe DOS got deleted by accident. And my parents are immediately like, well, how the hell would that have happened? <laughs> and the oh the, the jig is up. Uh, So... Instead of getting Steel Panthers uh, that weekend, I spent the rest of the weekend being forced to, like, set the computer back up, uh, basically. Um, And it was a whole pain-in-the-ass nightmare, but, like, Steel Panthers was a game I was so excited to get. I basically destroyed the family PC and spent a weekend uh, trying to get a bunch of randomly assembled uh, PC hardware to play nicely. Uh, with each other, because pre Windows, nothing did right. So you needed to, you needed to find drivers for everything. Uh, there were constant conflicts that you just have to like massage out of existence through uh, you know the, the config files of the system. Uh, it was just it it was a nightmare. Uh, it was probably the most intensive like family tech support I've ever had to do. My mom actually ended up doing most of it because uh, she was actually like far more computer literate uh, back then. But, yeah, so that's the sort of history of me and Steel Panthers. Um, and when I got the game, it, it was worth it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was worth uh, blowing away a hard drive for. Oh, um, my God. <coughs> but I, I think the thing that Steel Panthers uh, really did well, it did a lot of things well, but, like, for me, I guess what, what – Sort of captured my imaginat- imagination at the time was uh, just like sound design, right? Like the game looked good uh, for its era, but it had some of the most vivid World War II combat sound effects I had ever heard. Like when ricochets were like happening off tanks, when when shellfire was coming in, uh, it was unbelievable. And so, like I just loved like just watching this game run and watching troops like exchange fire, like interrupted movement, you know, machine gun fire spraying down troops. Uh, and in my imagination, it's this insanely vivid thing. You go back and play it now. The sound design is okay, but like it's it's not the cinematic experience that it kind of was in, in my imagination. The other thing that that really does strike me, and you know, Troy, I think you you said it's it's very difficult to play now because of technical reasons. But I don't know. You, you don't feel that there's some some major design issues uh, as well when it comes to like pacing of this game.
1: Well, I mean, pacing's, I think, tied in there, because it is, first of all, I mean, I want to go back to most of the good things, but still, I want to focus the positive here first, uh, because I do think it is, to a point of the sound design, which is excellent, uh, Interrupted Fire, which wasn't, a lot of games weren't doing back then, where you would, you know, you would move your unit, and then the enemy have a chance to respond to you. Um, so it wasn't purely turn. wasn't purely turn. you'd take your turn and then the enemy would have a chance to shoot back. Very ASL type stuff. We would see it perfected, I think, in the combat mission and close combat games. Um, but you know, I remember, you know, you'd start driving your tank down the road and it would just explode because some guy with an anti-tank weapon was hiding in a building close to you and he got the shot off. Um, and that was very cool. And like you said, the, the sound, you'd see the little bits of fire come out, and if it, was a, if it was a BMP or something that was carrying people and they'd try to evacuate and try not to get gunned down by the machine gunners who were all around, it, was, it, it really did bring, in many ways, um, World War II battles at that scale uh, to life on the screen that no game had done th- at that point. I don't think any, most games would until uh combat mission, which was another five years uh, later and which was outstanding. But and it, it was... Go ahead.
0: And it was also just, it was, it was a huge game. Uh, mm. In addition to the fact, like, I think another thing that contributed to it living for so long uh, as a war game, even long after it stopped being supported, and has caused these you know more recent iterations to pop up, uh, it had an unbelievable set of modding tools. Yep. Uh, not modding tools, uh, scenario, scenario building design, construction yeah. uh, tools. Uh, it had a great editor that was that was really simple uh, to to work with, um, and it had just this massive library of military equipment from the World War II era. From everyone, uh, yeah, every single side. Like I think Steel Panthers was the game that like showed me that the like what the Russo Finnish War was. Like I hadn't realized that there was like this ridiculous bloodbath in like 1939. Uh, between the Soviets and the Finns. Uh, but then there were these scenarios where basically, like, as the Finns, you'd just be, like, massacring, uh, like, ambushed Russian uh, battalions and cutting them off on the road and, like, slowly devouring these little pockets. Really vivid, cool scenarios. Uh, so it was, like, it was instructive. It, was, it covered a lot of fronts and theaters. Um, and it also had a really good campaign game. And I think this is something you definitely borrowed from Steel Pan- uh not Steel Panthers, uh, Panzer General. Uh, I'm not sure how many games did stuff like this prior to Panzer General, but um, in the campaigns in, Panzer- in, in Steel Panthers, uh, you would have your core forces that you carried with you from scenario to scenario, and they'd gain experience, and then you could upgrade their equipment later at the cost of victory points that you'd acquire through the through the campaign. And then each scenario you were augmented by uh, other forces that were on the map that weren't like your personal troops. But it was this really cool, uh, almost like franchise mode for for uh, for a mechanized company, uh, where you'd have like your core strike units, right, like. That was your that was your varsity that you sent in, and how you spent those units was really different. Because you like, I would find myself getting really precious with them because like these were the guys that would actually cost me resources to replenish, to rebuild, uh, to upgrade. And so like if I frittered them away, this was going to be something that would hurt me down the road. Uh, so I tended to be very stingy with with how I deployed uh, the, these units. But it it was one of the first war games that I remember playing that had this sort of persistent uh career mode aspect to it but in a way that didn't feel quite as maybe gimmicky as uh like panzer general does like it absolutely felt like no this was you you had they weren't super units uh but you you had you had to create a balanced force that fit your style and fit your needs for the upcoming campaign and then you needed to make choices about like do you upgrade or do you get more forces you know is, is quality or quantity important for you next um and so that was, a, that was another aspect of this. And some of those campaigns were really, really good. Uh, the the German campaign was, was really cool because it starts out with the invasion of Poland. Um, and boy, was that a fun campaign. Maybe the most fun campaign I've ever played in a war game. Because you're just kind of wreaking all kinds of havoc on the poor Polish troops. Uh, it's basically, basically a campaign where, you know, you've got panzers... They've got cavalry and, like, crappy Vickers tanks uh, that don't even have, like, a main gun. They've got, like, a machine gun mount. And so you just roll over these uh, th- these Polish troops and just, like, blitz your way to victory. And then, you know, you you'd do the whole thing where you invade France. And then I think, uh, you know, it was on to the Eastern Front. And the war got harder and bloodier. And you're dealing with uh, much more capable troops. But it was, it, man, it was an absolute uh, treat To play as a war game, especially since it was the first war game that I'd really played that did anything like this.
1: Yeah, and also had had a I think a battle generator, which they carried throughout, where you could just pick two sides, and it would generate a scenario for you. And. Oh my god, I love that. I mean, you can have... I mean, it's great to both to barrel through the poles. And if you like barreling through the poles and you like turkey shoots, because sometimes it's very refreshing to do a turkey shoot to, like, just blow off steam to give yourself overwhelming forces and just destroy something. I like doing that in games sometimes. Is why sometimes I'll play... I'll go into Titan Quest and take my, you know, epic character down the normal level and just go whack things and I'll send cyclopses flying through the air. Because I'm a god at this point. I love doing that. And this is a sort of... and But also generating really interesting battles between anybody. Meeting engagements, attack, defense. Uh, sometimes they'll be very interesting battles. You know, you end up walking through a minefield. It would generate a minefield you have to, to, to go through, for example. Just completely generated. The game would the game would make that. Wouldn't it be something you'd set up? It would decide, okay, this type of battle, there will be a minefield. Plap, there's a minefield you've got to walk through. And that's great I love these sorts of things because I don't have time to design scenarios, and there are so many good scenarios. The campaign was great, but sometimes I didn't want to go back to that. I mean, like most campaigns, if you get to an advanced scenario with kind of the wrong tools, I mean, it's not as bad as Panzer General, where like if you don't have the properly well advanced super weapon, you're kind of hosed by the end. Um, because there is more tactical flexibility in Steel Panthers than there's Panzer General. But you know, it does get to a point where you know, it's, you've got to have it's quality versus quantity, but you know, sometimes you've got to have both um, at the end. But the, the battle generator never got old. It never got boring. You always you could do all kinds of fun things. You, Canada versus Russia. Canada versus Finland. Canada versus Italy. It's always Canada. Um, and that's great. And I, I, that's the sort of thing I really like to see um, in war games. I mean, yes, nothing beats a really well-crafted scenario or a really well-crafted campaign. But sometimes just generating a sandbox encounter um, can be really fun and it's a good way to teach you things about the game because you're meeting different types of weapons, different types of situations, and you don't have to think about is this, what is this scenario trying to teach me? What do I have to learn? You're just stumbling in blind, running into a problem and trying to fix it. And I think that's one of my favorite part of all of the Steel Panthers games is the, 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 the battle generator. As good as the campaigns were.
0: Yeah. Um, I think also one of the things that it did really, really well, like... So one of, my, one of my, you know, we, we've discussed with them the operational art of war. That, that, was, a, that was a series of campaign that campaigned that, that covered all sorts of fronts and theaters uh, across a lot of different eras at a lot of different scales. But I think we, one of the things we all decided was it definitely had like a sweet spot, right? Like there was an era and a level of command and really a type of campaign where it really sang. And then there were other scenarios, like there were other types of of campaigns that would try to simulate, and it, it just didn't work. It, it definitely had a place where it worked best. I think Steel Panthers had one of those as well, and it was definitely um, like for me, the, the where I had the most fun with that game. Like I can't speak to how well it simulated those other types of war, but where I had the most fun with that game was with these mechanized uh, mixed forces encounters. Uh, that was that was really what the, this game was about. Uh, was combining You know, slow-moving infantry with like fast-moving armored infantry, and then you know reconnaissance tanks, and then your heavies, and then putting fire support and air support into work alongside that, and stationary emplacements. uh, You know where to where to put your spotters, all this stuff, and where it was at at its best for me was when you were sort of forced to, you know, bring those pieces together. You're conducting your own little like uh, World War II era combat symphony. And when you got it right, it was extraordinary, right? Like, you know, you'd send the recon tanks forward and you'd, you'd see some incoming fire. And then you'd just start laying waste to the tree line where you saw the shots coming from. You'd, like, be popping smoke and, like, getting forces up in their face and rolling over them. Uh, it, did, it did a fantastic job of both showcasing the power and flexibility of maneuver warfare and mechanized combat. And also its extraordinary difficulty and frailty. Um, this this was a game that, you know, when it, when you were doing it right, you felt unstoppable. You know, you were you were the steel curtain, uh, just like sweeping opposition uh, out of the way. But man, when you got a little bit wrong, suddenly you know your tanks are blowing up. In every direction, they're going off like firecrackers. Um, your your mechanized infantry is suddenly stranded out in the open and trying to hoof it toward distant machine gun nests and just getting mowed down. Uh, your spotters can't even get a line of sight on what the hell is happening, or they're blind firing and the artillery is starting to drop wherever the hell. Uh, and it would just all crumble in the space of a few turns, and it was utterly appalling. But th- those were both part like either, like, it always felt those two options really depended on, on you, right? Like, how good an armored commander were you? Uh, and, and that's what I really adored about that game.
1: Um, it was, it's always terrifying when you're you know, playing one of these war games, and your tanks are going down the road, a nice little column, killing everything, but then the lead tank gets taken out, and you're trapped. And you can't move forward, and you can't move back, and you've got to find a route, out of that trap, because you know the artillery starts coming in, um, the anti tank starts coming in, the self propelled guns start coming in, and you realize why you tend not to. You needed those roads; you are the only way to get into the city. That's where the victory points were. Uh, but c- cities are death on tanks, and this was, I think, the f- one of the first games to you know communicate that. I mean i wasn't I wasn't exactly young in nineteen ninety five. I was well into my twenties. Um, so it's not like I didn't have to, I thought it was the first time I, I thought, wow, tanks are in a city are stupid, but it really communicates that in, uh, really tough ways because things can go wrong so quickly. Um, things can, the, the battle can turn, uh, you need really good recon. Um, you, it's tempting to you know, just move all your advance, move your big guns forward as quickly as possible. And sometimes you have to do that because you don't know what the other side has. Um, I never quite liked how it did artillery for some reason. Um, I don't know why that is, but I guess because yeah, maybe because the spotter line of sight rules seemed a bit too tight. Yeah. That,
0: yeah. You know, I, that, like that's something I'm feeling definitely on the playthrough at least. That, you know, like that, my spotters can't see shit.
1: Like they can just see what they can actually see, but they can't say, 50 yards beyond that, they can't, they can't just tell the, the guy, they can't tell the guns to shoot 50 yards beyond that because they have to actually see the hex. That strikes me as a little bit bizarre. Um, so that's something that I think has could be improved in an update if it we're ever to be updated. But I really did like how it, the, the feel of the battle. I, but I always hated it when there was too much infantry because this yep. is a game that's really about vehicles. It's a game about... Penetration and angles and um, putting the right gun in the right place and ambushing other tanks, marching your infantry, you know, two hexes at a time, especially in the larger uh, scenarios, just drags. There's no way to, you know, to to, to, to group them, to put them in squads and move them as a squad, uh, for example, which I think would make that a lot easier. And something else that hasn't aged very well is um, the mini map's kind of useless. Um, Yeah. In because now these games are played in a window. They only really work if you play them in a window. So the mini map is little postage stamp size thing. So there's even if you can see an enemy, you really don't know where it is. Uh, There's very little of the actual map is on the screen that anyone. It looks like a
0: Doppler radar. Yeah you know and and like you and and that's what like your forces look like little doppler like you know radio signal like you can't you can't figure out the picture of the battle at all you just see like these little blotches of troops somewhere in there you have no idea what the shape of the battlefield is or what's happening anywhere
1: and yet there's no really good zoom outs so you can't get a feel for where anything actually is um i mean i remember going through a really really big steel panthers you know love phase probably Was it 2007, 2008? I forget. Uh, It was before uh, three moves ahead. I remember that. um, Just I just fell back in love with it and played a lot of it and really really liked it. Um, But that was way it was quite a long time ago. (laughs) uh, Hardware speaking wise, and I don't remember having to do all of this. And I remember it actually not being so terrible. Um. But now it's, it's very difficult to actually play through an entire scenario beyond that isn't you know quite small, without constantly um, double checking where everything is. It's so hard because the map is so zoomed in. There's which infantry on the it gives you the infantry unit you're moving, and you're not sure which of the green infantry units on the green grass of home this is. Yeah. Is this? So that's a really a big issue for me right now to play, which is a disappointment because I start every all of these scenarios with you know great joy and enthusiasm. Oh wow, this is really great. And I just generated <laughs> I just generated one uh before the show uh in uh what well, in the modern uh Steel Panther game. Iraq versus Iran, uh 1980. And I was Iraq, I was moving into into a it was a scenario, it was a scenario, not a generated battle. Uh, Iraq moving into uh, an Iranian town and for the life of me I had no idea where anything was after the third or fourth turn Um, not just all the smoke and all the death and all the chaos but it's the entire map has like the palette is so small that you can't tell from the map where you necessarily are and the mini-map isn't helping um, so as great as this is as a game, it's really an artifact, I think, which is disappointing. Um, but I think so much of the game does kind of hold up, but it doesn't hold up in a technical sense. Now, you were saying there were design issues that you still have some major problems with.
0: Well, so there's there's a couple there, there's a couple things, and it's, it's difficult to unknot all this, right? Because like the thing I can't go back and play today is Steel Panthers One. That doesn't yes. exist anywhere. No, uh, that that game is gone. Uh, Ditto Steel Panthers 2, really, and I never played Steel Panthers 3, but I think everything that exists now, I think, is built on the, the shell of of Steel Panthers 3. Uh, and you've got your choice now. Shrapnel and Matrix both have made their own issues. I think Matrix is actually just a distributor for a community effort. But you'll find there's Steel Panthers World at War, uh, which is uh, sold on Matrix in a larger version, but I think you can also find it on a community site for free. Uh, yeah. Just not with all the features necessarily. Uh, we should probably
1: put all of these links in the post.
0: Yeah. Um, so Steel Panthers World of War is a little cruder. It looks a little more like the game I remember. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little fuglier. Uh It does have some nice, nice touches. Uh, for instance, re- reaction fire isn't automated. Uh, you choose whether or not a unit is going to take a shot uh, mm-hmm. before before they do, uh, which which is kind of nifty. Uh, and I would also say that the scenarios seem a little more consistent with what I recall from, from the original game. The other options are the shrapnel games, uh, Steel Panthers, uh, Steel Panthers World War II, and Steel Panthers Main Battle Tank, which is like the update of Steel Panthers 2 Modern Battles. Yeah. And what those actually are maybe a slightly more successful update. Interfaces are a little cleaner. It's a little more readable. Um the issue I tend to have there is all the scenarios seem so freaking big, much bigger than I remember. Yeah. Like just massive numbers of troops yeah. uh, on the map, and I, and, and this is what I'm trying to figure out is like, was I just young and enthusiastic, and I was like, oh shit, like look, there's like a hundred infantry squads and thirty tanks on the map. Isn't this wonderful? I'm gonna play this forever. Was I, was that just me at the time? And I, I didn't.
1: I can't. I can't believe you are ever that stupid.
0: Yeah, neither can I. But you know, at the same time, I deleted DOS, Troy. Like I deleted yes. DOS, like literally, like two <laughs> days before I started playing this game. So like I was a dumb kid. Like I was a really, I was a real dumbass. Uh, I've, I've gotten a little better, but fundamentally, maybe not. But the thing, but I don't. But I remember the camp. This the scenarios being manageable, right? I remember them not being this like. I remember not being completely disoriented, uh, playing this game. But then I fire up the Shrapnel Games uh, editions, in particular. And every scenario is like, okay, you got a million units. And a map, like <laughs> just a ginormous map. Uh, most of which is not even being used. Uh, and, and yet this this entire like massive map is here. Uh, scenarios like 30, 40, 50 turns long. Uh, you know, it's gonna, you're gonna start walking and fighting from one way to, from one end of it to the other. And I've had to start using uh, a button that I remember was in the original game, it was the next unit, next formation button, which is common in a lot of traditional war games, right? What's the next unit in the list? What's the next formation in the list? In Steel Panthers 1, I don't remember having to use that too often because I sort of kept a, ba- a picture of the battle in my head. I knew what was going mm-hmm. on. I I had context. In the Shrapnel games uh, versions in particular, but also to an extent World at War... I can't play without using those buttons because units are yeah they're physically getting lost uh, on the map because one there's a million of them and you don't have a very good view of the battlefield so you you kind of you'll, you you will ent- you will forget entire like sections of the front uh, as, as you're going through this unless you use the um you know the formation command but the 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 other aspect of it is. Goddamn, do the, uh, the, the tile textures blend in with a lot of the unit uh, sprites as well. Like, I was just playing um, a red barricade scenario. So, you know, Germans are trying to push to the, the shoals of the Volga. And I realized, like, on turn two that I'd left, like, eight German uh, pioneer squads idle for two turns... Because they just blended into the rubble tile set for the factory where they were all sitting. Like eight squads just sitting there that visually I had passed over like six times. Uh, because they just looked like part of the, this destroyed smoking factory. But no, that was actually sort of the key to my advance force uh, going scouting minefields and stuff. Uh, just hadn't seen them. Uh, which is, that's, that's a problem in part with, with the game aging But I think the the, the thing that's really jumped out at me is I don't remember the scenarios suffering from the gigantism that I'm encountering playing these versions.
1: This is where I think we run into the problem of the community projects versus the authentic Steel Panther legacy. Because community projects tend towards gigantism. And I wrote about this in an article um, uh, last year that, you know, for an MIT book, for Zones of Control, you can buy it, about the history of community editing efforts. And they tend to gigantism for a long time, especially in the 90s. And you could see this even in, you know, uh, operational art of war, community scenarios. Let's make the entire front of World War One, that sort of thing. So I, you wonder I wonder when I play some of these scenarios that are in the Steel Panther versions we have now, because so many of them are partly legacy of community work. How many of these are community-made scenarios that are just way too big because a community thought it would be really, really cool to have a monster game? Um, I think there is a sweet spot for the size in a Steel panel scenario, in any type of scenario. And I think it does lose something when you are inching your troops that are palette-blended against the ground they're on, bit by bit uh, on this map. It doesn't work on a, the postage stamp-sized mini-map. It t- takes away whatever magic or majesty there is to controlling an army. It, it turns you into really a grade-A dork who cares so much about moving these little guys around um, without you know any grand sense of what they're doing. It's hard to plan, even, uh, because some of the scenarios are so large. Now... It, are some of these actually designed successors? We're going to, I suppose we go to the scenario notes, we can tell which ones are community-based and which ones are authentic. Um, and I, there's probably, a, but I would bet there's going to be a pattern that the community scenarios are going to be the much larger ones. Now, mind you, there are some really, with, you know, very small hexes they're dealing with, because um, it's always with the scale level uh, you're working with here in a space. Uh, mind you, there's some really interesting settings. They pick really... Inter- the scenario a variety available is just gigantic um, because there's always some guy that really cares about Spanish Civil War battles. So they're going to give you a couple of Spanish Civil War battles um, because this is their thing, which is the great thing about community scenario design efforts. Um, but it also means that you're going to get that guy's version of this one event and it's going to be in ridiculous, stupid detail on a giant map that has victory point in every single corner yeah. for some reason.
0: Yeah, and I, I see a lot of that in these versions. And I think that's the, the, the big question that I haven't been able to answer to my satisfaction is like, to what degree was this baked in a Steel Panthers from the start? And mm-hmm. to what degree is this an artifact of how the game has existed in kind of its post SSI afterlife? Um, and, and I can't, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but my instinct is you're, you're largely right that most of the issues I'm having, um, that, that aren't directly related to technical issues and, and, and playability. Most of my issues probably derive from the fact that it's enthusiastic scenario editors, uh, that have done a lot of this. And, um, Have have delved too greed too deep and too greedily, uh, Mm -hmm. as it were. Uh, But but then there are design. But then but then those those choices of scale begin to interact with aspects of the design that are increasingly unfortunate. Uh, Steel Panthers is I think a game in the mold of a lot of old uh, turn based uh, hex war games, where You know, it never meant a combat resolution table it didn't like. Um, (laughs) Why roll the dice once when you can roll them eight times? Um, And so one thing that's really jumped out at me is, and it's not annoying in in, in a smaller scale scenario, but so many of these these scenarios are really huge, uh, that what ends up happening is so many units, like, go into reaction fire mode, that, like... Any move creates like 30 seconds of watching all these other units cycle through their weapons. And here's the other thing. In Steel Panthers, units don't just have like one shot per turn. And they don't just have one weapon per turn. Uh, Steel Panthers is a very detailed, uh, you know, rivet counting kind of war game in some ways. Uh, Every unit is a platform for weapon systems. So Mm -hmm. every single infantry squad is going to open up with its rifle, its light machine gun. Uh, Maybe it has uh, rifle grenades or RPGs or bazookas, depending on where you are in history. Um, God God knows. Maybe there's some machine guns uh, that it has as well. All those weapons are going to trigger successively with different rolls of the dice, basically. And that happens with every shot that you take. It also happens with every reaction shot. That triggers uh, when when a unit moves, and I think the, the where where my where my nostalgia began to really wither uh, with, with Steel Panthers uh, in this last month. I started playing this really cool looking uh, Vietnam scenario where there's a uh, there's a Green Beret base, uh, you know, off you know pretty much deep in the bush, and it's a few U.S. Green Berets. And a, lot, and a lot of uh, Montagnard uh, support troops holding this uh, fortified base with with wire and strong points, and they're surrounded by NVA, and they're being overrun at the start of the scenario. And then all the way across the map, you have an armored cavalry force, uh, a relief column, trying to get there. And it's got to be like, it's got to be 100 hexes away. <laughs> It's, it's a long, long way. And then in a turn or so, uh, Air Cav begin to show up and start deploying. The, like basically, a second rescue column arrives from the Air Cav. Cool scenario design, right? You've got the Alamo happening yeah. in the east, and then you've got a really rapid uh, advance that needs to be happening uh, out, out to the west that involves a mix of uh, infantry and, and air cavalry and attack helicopters. Cool. Sold. I'm into it. Turn three, I hit end turn. Now the NVA have really come out into the open. They're starting to swarm this base. I hit end turn. It's like eight in the evening. The turn begins to play out. And the NVA are mostly just like suppressing these positions in this green bray base. I did not get to make another move or decision until 8.25.
1: The oh game God. played
0: itself for 25 freaking minutes, Troy. I'm just watching. Oh, it like, my God. And it's the same thing happening over and over again. It's just one NVA squad after another targeting uh, pillboxes and montagnards and trenches and just, like, spamming them with the same infantry attacks. And there's casualties. Like, it's it's kind of vivid. But nevertheless, 25 minutes go by. I have not touched the controls. I'm just watching this thing cycle and cycle and cycle. And then... I get I get you know uh, control restored and I don't have that much to do right like my troops defending the base are mostly just going to stay put because uh, going out of the trench is death so they're just going to be picking targets and trying to selectively break uh, NVA troops uh, the most important thing really is how you're employing your your artillery support and then really only the the only real tactical stuff is sort of the bounding overwatch of uh, it's happening out to the west with these relief columns so my turn is done. Uh, within you know five ten minutes, and then and turn again, and that's time for another twenty minutes twenty five minutes of just watching this game run, and I think Steel Panthers was always that way. It was always a game where combat was really about like repeated uh, die rolls, right? It was it was it was all about that, and I think one it was probably more tolerable back in the day because it was so vivid. It was new. It was fresh. And we were kind of used to this kind of pacing from turn-based war games, right? Like, yeah. ASL, when it wasn't your turn, you basically watched your pal uh, spend 40 minutes making all the necessary moves, probably another 20 minutes helping them interpret the rules correctly, uh, and that was the process. So Steel Panthers fit in that mold, and what what luxury? You didn't have to do anything. You know, you just let the game resolve all this stuff yourself, uh, and, and it was fine, but now playing in this era, it's just excruciating when scenarios scenario is built this way. But my suspicion is it wasn't that bad back in 1995 because nobody in 1995 in that original bundle of scenarios designed anything that stupid. You know what I mean? Like no, nobody, nobody, nobody did these full massed inner infantry battles in the 1995 version. But here with these community efforts years and years later... Um, you've got scenarios that are pushing out of the game's uh, sweet spot, as, as I think exists. And also they're starting to operate at a scale that the game just really can't accommodate comfortably.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, this is not a game that scales up very well. Um, it does have, you know, I think, 20 turns is probably what the maximum for that is actually a good size and length. As far as number of units, I mean, once you get... Once you get more than 20, 25 units, it's just an absolute disaster, uh, I think, especially if you do get into, as in your example, is one of these traps where it's just constant, constant reaction fire always being pinned down is the sort of thing that is kind of fun in a real time war game where it's coming at you and you've got to move the troops around. You can see it coming at you instead of just waiting and waiting and waiting for everybody to stop shooting at Bob because all Bob wanted to do was take a step outside. Um, It's, you know, kind of, um, it, it's, it does have, yeah. It's a, I think all war games and all scenarios have these sweet spots. But yeah, there was this, there was this time when everybody believed, you know, something should be bigger. Uh, the, 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 the the double your pleasure mod, how uh, was how Soren Johnson described some of the Civ mods of the era, where you know we should just have more civilizations with more special powers, the more everything, and more resources, and bigger maps. Um, And in the war game world, that turned into, let's just make them, let's have a cast of thousands, everyone a future casualty. Um,
0: (laughs) You know, and and I'll say, I I totally get why that happens, because when I played Steel Panthers a long time ago, uh, I was on this uh, hedgerow kick. Like, I just thought the Normandy campaign uh, after D-Day was so fascinating and such... You Uh, were right, it still is. It is the best. It's good. Have you read uh, Khan Anvil Victory yet? I saw you you picked it up from a bookstore. I've got
1: it. I've got it. I'm reading it.
0: Read it, Troy. It is literature. It is so
1: good. But anyway.
0: So I was on this kick, and I just did not feel that Steel Panthers adequately addressed uh, Bokaj Country fighting to my satisfaction and it may not have, which makes me think again, a lot of these problems didn't crop crop up in the original steel Panthers because they were smart enough not to design scenarios that were just in radio. But I like spent a lot of time like reading, you know, Stephen Ambrose books and, and, and other stuff about like the, the, the campaign after, after D-Day uh, and started designing uh, sort of my, my opus, uh, the, the hedgerow masterpiece. And I sort of um, fussed with some of the, uh, you know, rules. Because, like, nothing really represented the, the physical barrier that a, a French hedgerow presented to armor uh, in that game by default. Uh, so I decided that, like, going from level 1 terrain up to, like, an instant, like, level 3 top of the forest, like, simulated the effect pretty well. But anyway, so I designed this, like, really dense, um, horrifically difficult... Uh, Bocage map But the thing was Once I designed Like a section Of Bocage country uh, and, it, and it had sort of Figured out What the scenario Should look like I'd done the hard work So Let it rip I just started Like replicating it Right I just started Like building Basically I was like What if I just Build all of Normandy in this map Basically know like, <laughs> What this So I'm just like Pouring it on Just like Just shellacking The shit Out of this poor editor With, with my sort of Homegrown uh, Hedgerows Amazing and I populate it with like enormous numbers of Allied tanks and infantry and like German 88s and uh you know Pac 37s, all this, all this good stuff. Um and of course the scenario is unplayable. Like I start playing it and I'm like, this is dog shit. And but but that's where my career ended, because like if if I if I had the right stuff I would have continued, like, troubleshooting it, and I, I would have sure. would have polished my, polished my turd to a, to a rich uh, nut-brown shine. But instead, I just sort of got frustrated and gave up. But th- the point is, though, I totally understand, like, once you've done that hard groundwork of, like, figuring out what the scenario should look like, and what you're trying to evoke, and what the topography of the battlefield should look like, once you've done that, man, is it easy to just crank it up to 11, right? Like, I didn't go to all this to create, like, a little pocket battlefield, like, this thing's going to be a meal. I get where that comes from. But in Steel Panthers, it is, it is an absolute trap.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people, I mean, good scenario design is hard. Um, and, but the editor here is so good, It's an excellent editor, that I'm sure it appealed to a lot of people who just want to, like you, make their favorite battle. Make their favorite setting. Um, and I think that, you know, in the end, despite it leading to some really awful, grotesque, huge scenarios, is ultimately a point in Steel Panther's favor. Ultimately, that's a good thing to give people the chance to test their scenario design skills, to make their the game that they want to play. I think really good editing tools are something every good war game, I think, should have. Um... And these were some of the best, I think, uh, especially for the era. Um, so I see it as a, a positive, a, a good thing that has led to some trash.
0: Yeah.
1: Kind of like the invention of movies. Good thing. <laughs> but come on.
0: Um. I will say World at War does have some interesting campaigns, one that I've actually really been enjoying uh, that pretty much addresses all these shortcomings uh, that, that I found with, with other uh, parts of these, these reissues. Um, there's this one campaign, I forget what it's called, but you control and only control uh, an American recon tank platoon in the Pacific and the entire point of the campaign is just you're the only armored support these light infantry forces have you are the most critical asset on the battlefield you're also incredibly fragile uh and you're rolling through the jungle trying to engage uh, japanese positions and every scenario is just a freaking winner uh in this in this setup because like that tension, you know, that that sort of nervousness you get when you move tanks out into the open, is just amplified tenfold because you know your tank probably isn't going to survive a direct hit. It's it's just not. Um, and you also know that, like, you're probably not going to get enough, uh, like, victory points to ever really build up your force. You know, maybe repair your force and replenish it, but you're probably never going to be rolling out, like, the heavy equipment, uh, you know, in in this campaign but it becomes a really really cool every scenario is kind of bite-sized right there's only a little infantry on the map there's your your five or six tanks um maybe there's some support weapons but really it's like there's not a lot of pieces on the board and the thing you're really battling against is the uncertainty of of where the japanese are hiding and you got to be utterly ruthless about sending the disposable uh non-core unit infantry out to go get shot at and lit up and then just descend on that japanese position with you know the fist of god basically you know like four 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 m3 stewards just rolling up a point plank range and just like laying that like laying waste to that stretch of jungle that pillbox whatever it is um and you also got to know basically when to you know pass that gut check and just step on the gas right like sometimes there's nothing but an open field and and an anti-tank emplacement, and there's nothing for it except to just drive like hell you know out to its flanks and try to get around it before it can uh draw down on you uh and you don't know what you're flanking into might be another ambush but there's so many good moments in that um and it's a, it's a real stand up campaign, and it was one of the few times this past month where I'm like, "This is the Steel Panthers I remember. This these are the kind of choices I remember making." But there aren't that that is hard to find in these reissues that exist these days.
1: So maybe we should just stick to the campaigns for the more authentic experience, because they are designed and catered, I would argue, and curated. That's the word. They're curated.
0: Maybe, but even even among the campaigns I've tried, this one's kind of a standout for being uh, manageable. But yeah, it was like it, it was it was nice playing this campaign because it was like reassuring that it wasn't all rose-colored uh, glasses that I was looking at Steel Panthers through. Like, no, the game I remember is in there. It absolutely is. Um, it's just kind of hard to find that sweet spot. Uh, anymore and in 1995 that that whole game felt like sweet spot uh so i wanted to ask you know you played a bit with the modern stuff so did i i remember when steel panthers 2 came out i just couldn't get with it i just didn't care that much because like you know the the big selling point to american audiences i think for that second game was like oh now you can relive operation desert storm and really like who wants to like come on like M1 tanks basically ma- massacred a bunch of thirty-year-old Soviet designs, uh, and, and a poor, you know, driven by a poorly trained army. Like, come on, that, come on, no, that's not, that's not. Now great
1: you're you just top. How great invading Poland was?
0: Yeah, but but, but the invasion <laughs> so, of Poland does not does not an entire game make. No,
1: um, I think one of my issues with uh, the modern battles version is, I air power does not quite get especially for the you know the Gulf War scenarios just how dominant air power is That's one thing except these great tank battles, and there were some uh in the first Iraq war, absolutely, but most of the time you there there'd be a tens and apaches just laying waste to armor columns um and so you're you have this modeling of battles of which there were maybe two in the entire war, and they were just, you know, ridiculously lopsided. Um, and I don't think that the uh, Steel Panther model really gets air power, but this isn't, it's not alone. I think a lot of modern war games don't quite get air power, um, and just how much it just breaks everything. Um, and I think that's one of the issues why I think the modern one doesn't quite, I mean, it's especially for, you know, U.S. versus, you know, middle power type stuff. If it's, you know, U.S. versus Russia or the Soviet Union, you can make an argument the Air Force is busy. Or if it's El Salvador versus Nicaragua, what are they going to do? So you just have your energy bang into each other. Um, But, you know, for the... I think you're right. It was intended in ways to market itself as a desert storm type game, um, uh, you know, half a decade later. That the fact that the Steel Panther model doesn't quite understand how much air superiority alters the context of a battle, um, I don't think it quite understands, I, I don't think it can design its way around that.
0: No, and like, I don't think it's a system built to comprehend helicopters, uh, in particular. Um, oh
1: hell yeah I could Helicopters They feel like they have Infinite movement And it's
0: like Okay Infinite Yeah they have, they have Infinite movement But or then also They don't Lay waste to areas The way attack helicopters Are supposed to right Like yeah. having Seeing a massive infantry Like in a Vietnam scenario You know you, you see a bunch Like coming out of the tree line Some set up in the tree line And you got a couple Like uh, You know A1, You know AH-1 Cobras uh, You know Ready the way we understand the Cobra, how these gunships worked, um, you know, from other games, from movies, just knowing how those weapon systems are, were designed to be employed. We know what that engagement should look like, and it's not a good story for the infantry in the open. Like, it's going it's, it's to be ugly. Um, but Steel Panthers is designed for every unit to engage enemy units one by one. And so you got this weird thing where like the helicopters have all these enemy units massed, you know, in front of them and are basically like targeting squad by squad with their weapons. Um and you know, slowly whittling them down, but it feels like you have kind of like really flimsy flying tanks with all the limited capacity to engage uh the tanks have. But like you know, when you're when you're firing you know when you're when you're finding like uh, what is it like? God, I don't remember what the munitions designation. Maybe two or three warheads. I'm not sure. But like you know the rockets, basically the, the 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 multiple rocket launchers that are on the pods. That's that's an area effect weapon, right? Like that's just that that's just gonna paste an entire area. Steel Panthers doesn't really, I think, treat weapons like that. Doesn't really understand uh, weapons like that unless they're indirect fire, which is which has different rules applied. But like. So, helicopters never feel quite. They don't, they, they, they don't sit comfortably uh, on that battlefield. Uh, and I think that's an issue that, as you get closer to the modern era uh, and air superior, you know, uh, combat aircraft as well become more and more dominant, it just starts to feel more and more counterintuitive and more like the game is sort of reaching beyond its uh, design capabilities.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: But I will say I played some, uh, like, Korean War scenarios where air power felt pretty good, actually. It was, like, artillery that could sort of self-adjust on the fly. Uh, so you still needed to call it in roughly accurately, but at the same time, like, um, you know, carrier fighters arriving over Korea, if they saw a tank in the open, would, like, sort of, you know, they'll de- you'll see them, like, deviate by a hex and blow, you know, blow that thing uh, to hell and then continue on with their uh with their strike run. But like those are kind of cool moments where it does feel like air power is roughly behaving like it should for that era. Uh but yeah, it I think it struggles as it gets away from that from that World War II uh equipment setting. Uh, as as many games do, right? Like Just modern Operation Warfare is very Order
1: different. Operational Art of War, same thing.
0: Yes. Yeah, very much so. Um I don't think I don't think there's a single scenario, community made or otherwise, uh, that I really enjoyed beyond like the sixty-seven war uh, in in Operation Art of War. Um, but yeah, the the last thing I want to get to here is well, there, there there's two there there's two lines of thought that I've been mulling over uh, in relation to Steel Panthers. One is that I think a reason that I lost interest in games like this is just a few years later, you've got Close Combat coming out. And that was like a leap forward in terms of what a war game could do. Uh, And it became a lot more interesting to me than a game like Steel Panthers. And from from that point on, you're kind of off to the races, right? Like, you've got Close Combat... Close Combat 2, which is extraordinary. Close Combat 3, which was cool, but also begins to suffer from uh, gigantism. But then Combat Mission comes along, and that series is awesome. And it feels like war game design is starting to evolve really, really quickly. And Steel Panthers is very much like... The type of war game it is feels very, very old hat, I think. But at the same time, I also kind of feel like... They stopped making them like Steel Panthers, or like they never successfully adapted the formula to the modern era like nobody came along and like took the good things from steel panthers and then mixed them together with like more modern game design concepts and made something new along that vein like it feels like steel panthers marked the height of evolution for a type of war game that then nobody continued to evolve and there don't seem to be other games like it anywhere um
1: I think in many ways for its design, it an evolutionary to dead end. That is as far as that would have gone. Um, You know, a top-down turn-based unit-by-unit war game. That was as far as that could possibly go. And then you get, you know, the simultaneous turn and the real-time, simultaneous turn games like Cloud Combat Mission and real-time games like Close Combat, which do the same sorts of things as uh, Steel Panther's, but do it in a better design, more responsive design, more interesting look. A combat just looks better. Um, even the old ones still look very, very good to me. Um, and there's just there's just nowhere for that to go. Uh, I think that there are certainly some things, like I said, there we could learn. I think from uh, Steel Panthers, I, I would love to see you know better battle generators, really good editors. Um, I haven't tried the close combat. The close, the close combat games have editors. They must.
0: I'm not sure if they do. Like, I think they have scenario editors. I'm not sure they have map editors.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, people are making mods for Unity of Command, but I'm not sure how good or easy those tools are to use.
0: Yeah, uh, especially Unity of Command is such, like, all those scenarios a, but are but so well-balanced.
1: Well, yeah, and it's a very different type of game. Um, it is, uh, in many ways, closer to Panzer General than it's map as puzzle. Um but just so much more intelligently done. Um, so but I don't think there's anywhere for the Steel Panther games to go. Um, it's not like, um, say, if there's was something in Operational Art of War 4, I mean, it's clear what they could do to fix Operational Art of War. They could just, because there aren't games kind of like that, uh, hex-based with NATO commands where you can get higher units and that are, that's, that are, for the medium-sized scale game. Not that's a grand game like the Grigsby games, uh, but for medium sized encounters and operational Art of War 4, it's conceived what that would look like. What would a Steel Panthers 5 look like? What design elements would it use from Steel Panthers that are still recognizable as a Steel Panthers game? I have no idea. Um, because there are so many World War II games <laughs> out there that I think are already, that have moved on uh, from this model. I mean, I was surprised when they resurrected, but then again, I was surprised when they resurrected Panzer General with Panzer Corps, which I did not like, but I did like Order of Battle. Um, I'm glad to hear you say that,
0: because I'm still stewing over that episode.
1: I still like Order of Battle. I think it's... I think I, need, it's,
0: I needed your support when Tom and Bruce were bagging on it and you headed for the hills, you damn coward.
1: I did not head for the hills. You dishonored
0: generations of Canadian men who stood bravely.
1: I did not head for the hills. That's a lie. I can go back and listen to the tapes. But I did not want to have that fight because some people <laughs> are just can't be... Can't be, Cannot be talked to. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I liked Order of Battle and that's, you know, that is hands in general evolution. Um... And that has, so maybe there is a place for uh, Steel Panthers to go, but I'm just not sure there is. I just think it's one of those, this is a really good game that was good in its time, and there's nowhere for it to go. Gaming history is full of these evolutionary dead ends, and I think this is just one of them.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I tend to wonder, like, I probably have this knee-jerk response to look at things like XCOM and I'm like, well, they could do that. Why couldn't you do that with tanks and uh, artillery and and infantry squads, right? Like, but XCOM is so self contained, is so constrained that it's it's not it's not a war game in that same sense. I don't know like what an, what an XCOMified uh, Steel Panthers would would look like, but I'd I'd be damn intrigued to, to see see someone try. Um, but it
1: would I, look like it would, like it would be a turn based company of heroes.
0: Yeah, and so you say that, and I'm right on board. I'm like, hell yeah. yeah. That, sounds, that, <laughs> sound, that sounds great. Like, whatever, like, Somebody get on that. Like, do it. Um, boy, I'll, I'll also say this. Um, you know what game actually evokes Steel Panthers a lot for me? Uh, the, the feeling I had playing it, and, and this is going to make you angry. Valkyria Chronicles. Like, take out all the yeah. anime nonsense. It is... A game where, one, like pacing-wise, it's kind of similar. Like you sort of go unit by unit and everyone moves their new position and you pick your target. Uh, and, and a lot of it is just sort of like blasting away and, and, and you know, shelling the shit out of an enemy uh, to reduce the incoming fire before you move your tank. And then using your tank sort of like, uh, you know, machine gun and, and artillery abilities to sort of, uh, you know, really, really clean house. Um, that, is, that is a game that evokes some of that feeling. Uh, that 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 fear that comes as you sort of move forward and you're baiting reaction shots. Um, the, the difference is Valkyrie Chronicles is a much smaller scale um, and is really just about protecting your one tank and mostly using infantry. Uh, but but in terms of like the tactical space that you inhabit in a game like that, it actually does end up feeling a little a little Steel Panthers ish. Uh, to me, I think that's that might be the closest I've come to a like World War II era game because it's kind of what Valkyria Chronicles is is trying to evoke. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Um,
0: that that I've that I that I've gotten like that, that might be the closest I've come to getting that old feeling back uh, they got from Steel Panthers. And and I know it's a very apples and oranges comparison, but like just in terms of the way they feel and the way they're paced and the way they're constructed, they they, they it feels like there's there's a bit of kinship there.
1: Yeah, I can see where you could. The comparison between Valkyria Chronicles and XCOM comes in, but I'm not quite sure I get the Steel Panthers feel. But if you no. say it's there for you, I'm not going to argue against it.
0: Yeah, it may like it. it might just be a, a, a random passing fancy, but I, yeah, I don't know what a modern what a modern Steel Panthers uh, would look like. But I'd be really interested to see one try someone try because like I think for me, I think the big thing that the Steel Panthers suffers from right now. I think if you came along and streamlined combat so that every unit couldn't fire like 80 different times uh, during a turn and you made it a little more of a, look, do you shoot this or do you shoot that? Like, which shot do you want to take here? If you just sort of made it a little more coarse-grained, I think a lot of the playability issues start to melt away and maybe the size problems don't become uh, so dogged. But at the same time, like... A lot of the areas Steel Panthers expanded into uh, just don't play to the core strengths of World War II era, mechanized combat. You know, there's a lot of scenarios in those later. In those other eras, that are really infantry-heavy, uh, which was not what that game was about, and it's not super exciting. Like, if you want, if you want exciting infantry, uh, you go to close combat, which ironically developed a different problem, I think, in, steel, in close combat 3, where it becomes really tank-driven, uh, and that's not where that engine... Was really at its most exciting. Where is the war game that does it all, Troy? Combat Mission Two Thousand. C-
1: uh, C- Command Ops.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Which now is on Steam, and uh, something yes. should probably be taking, something we should probably take a look at.
0: Wait, Command Ops is on Steam. C- Command Ops Two. Wait, you're talking about the Panther games. Uh, that stuff.
1: Uh, like Conquest yeah. of the Aegean, yeah. Battle of the Bulge, yeah. Panther Games, Lock and Load Publishing, those oh, games. Commando, Command Ops Two. They have uh, Highway to the Reich, Foothills of the Gods, Ride of the Valkyries, Bastogne, West Wall. Yeah. Patton's Charge is coming out soon.
0: Okay, all right. Somebody, somebody knowledgeable is going to have to, and, and maybe that's you, Troy. Maybe, like you'll he, have to research this for me. Panther yeah. Games did Conquest of the Aegean and. Um, an airborne game, I want to say. Um, maybe that was a game called like Highway to the Reich. Um, they did a Battle of the Bulge game. I'm trying to figure out: are these the same games just being reissued? Because they had different names when they were part of Matrix. Uh,
1: I think that. Oh God, it's a confusing legacy. But yeah, they're they're, this, they're the same people.
0: Okay. All right, we need to figure yeah, out. Think we, they, we, but that
1: was that was Command Ops. Those were the Command Ops One games, I think.
0: Okay. This is
1: Command Ops Two.
0: Yeah, because during the Matrix holiday sale, I went looking. I was like, finally, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy the Panther Games catalog, and they weren't on sale anymore at Matrix. Like all those games were gone, and so I'm wondering: those have those games entirely vanished, or have they just like been reissued under different names? Um, uh,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't think it was, it was Air, Airborne Assault, Conquest of the Aegean.
0: Yeah. Then there
1: were the Command Ops games: Battles of the Bulge, Highway to Reich, Battles for Greece. Then there was Command Ops Two which was released in, which were in 2015. Um, The engine is free on Steam, but each of the modules
0: costs about 30 bucks. Why can't war games ever just make it easy?
1: Yeah, so now there are what? There's There will be eight eight uh, modules, and they range from 33 to $40. Bucks.
0: I, I, I know Canadian. I need to get comfortable with this if I'm going to play games like that. and If, I'm gonna, if we're going to continue doing winters of war gaming and stuff, I need to get comfortable with this reality. But the moment you start selling me an engine without a game, and then it's like, but you buy these modules, see, and, and I start heading for the hills, right? It's like the video yeah. game equivalent of like, we're going to sell you this empty binder with some rules and then you get to decide which which counters you want to buy and i'm like nope <laughs> like that like that like that video of the of the squid just like hightailing it on the on the ocean floor that that's me when people start talking to me about like buy this module i'm like no no i don't think i will
1: but they got best stone
0: they do have best stone you know i've never gotten into that campaign uh, i don't know beating your head against fixed positions can can get a little you're yeah. a little old, but uh yeah that's definitely maybe something we should look at as a uh, possible successor uh, although it's again I think really focusing on um command control and communications uh yes. more so than than steel Panthers is which is really it big.
1: is i I just think it's I just think it looks cool it yeah. looks so modern and sleek, but no, it's nothing like at all like steel panther's not not yeah. a bit
0: so I, I think I'm glad we went back and looked at these games and I, I found enough here that like. I was glad, like, I, I had fun. I, I, found, I found some good wargaming in here, but I was also taken aback at how little of the Steel Panthers I remember uh, is recoverable in this day and age, either because, you know, your memory plays tricks on you or because the way the series has been carried forward in the modern era is not really the Steel Panthers uh, that I grew up on. Yep. So that will do it for this week. We'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Three Moves Ahead is produced, as always, by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3 Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. Uh, this topic in particular was brought to you by our Patreon backers during our monthly topic vote. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3 Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for Troy... This is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.